Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to year two of Wikishuffle. Year two. Second year. Saved by the bell, a new class. And we have a new host member who will be joining us every week from now on. I <gasps> know oh, we don't. No, we don't. No. We're not, we're not no, pulling we those gimmicks yet. We know what works. We, we know what no. works. We don't do it, but we know what works. Let's just jump straight into it. We're going to do some wiki shuffling. Phil, what is that? Wiki shuffle involves us pressing the random article button on Wikipedia and then talking about what comes up. It's as simple as that. You know what Wikipedia is. You love it. They do. Everyone does. Everyone does. It's a resource for humanity. Right. Let's do some wiki shuffling. Go. Oh, yeah, wait. Hang on. I'm Jack. Chris. Hello. And Phil. Yes. There. Now you know who we are. Let's do it. Polo neck. The garment of villains. That's how I would put it. What? Why is it the villains? Villains wear polo necks, don't they? Yeah. Oh, polo neck. So that's like a like a turtleneck. It's like Got a turtleneck. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm with you. I'm not fashion man. You're not fashion <laughs> You're man. Not fashion I'm not man. fashion man at all. <laughs> the secret identity of fashion man is still unknown. Mm-hmm. It's but we can rule out Jack from our inquiries. Yeah. A polo neck, roll neck, or turtleneck in the US and Canada, or skivvy in Australia and New Zealand, <laughs> never heard that before, no. is a garment, usually a sweater, with a close-fitting round and high collar that folds over and covers the neck. It is usually a sweater. You don't see, like, polo neck t-shirt. Idea. Bad idea. Quite a bad idea. It can also refer to a type of neckline, the style of collar itself, or be used as an adjective, polo necked. You are very polo necked today. Thank you. I'm not. If you're wearing a polo neck, I could say that. Mm. Your beard is kind of a polo neck. It doesn't sort of fold back on itself. Mm. If you grew it longer, could you wrap it around? And then we'd say... Yeah, you, I could, could so. like, your hair extend around to your beard if you let it grow wildly. I suppose it could. Because this bit between your hair and your beard seems quite nice and shaved. It looks, like, clean. Ex- exposed. But I imagine, yeah. because you're quite a hairy dude anyway... So I could join that up. You could probably join it up without too much effort. Maybe plait it to plait my hair and beard Ooh, together. Could do, yeah, like a little bridge. Yeah. A disgusting bridge. You, you have a very hairy face, but what is, like, your, your back like? I don't know why I want to know, but I just do. I've got a little bit of hair on my lower back. Mm-hmm. Little bit. So there. cover up your tramp stamp. You can still see my tramp stamp clearly. Good, good. Is that this all? Says party time! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Oh, three exclamation marks. Yeah. See, I know that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would never have that. Absolutely. You, you, I'm not even sure you would have one exclamation mark. I don't know if you noticed, but when I went and updated all of the episode descriptions, when I updated the website and all of the artwork on our Acast feed for the first sort of nine months of the podcast. Jack wrote all of the episode descriptions. You've taken all of my explanations. I've taken out all of his <laughs> They were just, there was too many. I do use too many. There was I too many, have. so I took them out. Less is more. So, uh, so what about your chest? Oh, I'm very hairy in the chest. Very hairy. Can we have a look? 
He's actually unbuttoned. Oh, oh my god! Oh. Whoa! Wow. Look at that. Can we join it all up like a big beast man? I'm aroused. I'm yeah. a I'm a Hashutes gentleman. How, how are you on on the hair? Well, I've always wanted to grow it on my face, mm-hmm. um, but I've never been able to. But shoulders and back, fine. <laughs> <laughs> got loads of it. Most oh, of the attention there. Paint a sexy picture. Um, I'm ass, hairy ass, chest, yeah, moderately hairy. Moderately I'd say. hairy. What about you, Chris? I'm, fa- I'm fairly hairy. I'm a fairy hairy man. So we're like, we're, we're three bears in the gate. Yeah. We're, we're three, say, yeah, we're three sexy bears. Mm, Phil, maybe you're more of an otter. <laughs> I'm a bit more of a bear cub because I'm a bit cub, short yeah. to be a full-on yeah, bear, yeah. but I'm definitely stocky enough. So yeah, bear cub, I think. Yeah. I think if I really work out, I can be a full-on bear, like a grizzly. Anyway, polo necks, yeah? Oh yeah, polo neck. A simpler variant of the standard polo neck is the mock polo neck, or mock turtleneck that resembles the polo neck with the soft fold at its top and the way it stands up around the neck, but both ends of the tube forming the collar are sewn to the neckline. This is mainly used to achieve the appearance of a polo neck where the fabric would fray, roll, or otherwise behave badly unless sewn. I hate a badly behaving polo neck. The mock polo neck clings to the neck smoothly, is easy to manufacture, and works well with a zip closure. As an item of clothing, it's weird. Do either of you own what could be described as a polo neck or turtleneck garment? I think, yeah, I do. I never, I would never wear it, but I do have one. In um, reserve. But yeah, if I do need to be a villain, then I'll put it on. <laughs> I have a thermal top. It probably comes up to about there, and it looks a little bit polo necky. And I wore it once on a day trip to London because it was freezing, and I thought I want to be warm so I wore it and everyone just endlessly took the piss out of me for wearing it because it looked like a polo neck but I thought I looked quite good see I very definitely don't own a polo neck because I think they're awful in every mm. possible way they look terrible they feel awful they feel so restrictive weird isn't it just right up there and I just put a scarf on if my neck was cold I was thinking that especially on a slim person it kind of like looks like a foreskin and you've got the person's yeah. head popping out and you just look like a massive penis and you can do that thing that they used to do on like all the old gap adverts where you pull it up so it yeah. covers their nose and it is like a little uh, a little penis popping out. <laughs> you don't want that. Polo neck-like garments have been worn for hundreds of years, dating at least to the 15th century citation needed. From the late 19th century on, polo necks were commonly worn by menial workers, athletes, sailors, and naval officers. Since the middle of the 20th century, black polo necks have been closely associated with radical academics, philosophers, artists, and intellectuals. Oh, like Appleman. Gates. No. No, Jobs. 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 And he Jobs. he came across as quite a villain. It makes me think of the black polo necks that Archer wears. You need a bod to carry off the, the I don't think, no, I, I didn't even think of that. I think nobody can pull off a polo neck. So we're not fans. Polo necks also became a big fashion for young, wealthy men after they were worn by European film stars Marcello Mastroianni and Yves Mortand. I don't know who either of those people are. Well, they're European film stars and we don't watch subtitled films. Are you kidding me? I'm not no. reading. I'm obviously not a young, wealthy man. The term polo neck, common in British English, is thought to derive from garments with similar necklines worn by polo players. Greta Garbo often wore polo necks and trousers privately <laughs> in secret <laughs> didn't keep that well covered up because we all know about it now Greta Garbo often wore polo necks and trousers privately as later Audrey Hepburn would do in official photographs Audrey Hepburn looks great in a polo neck 
But it's Audrey Hepburn, so does it count? I think women. She's going to look. Women good often do look better in public. Almost as if the female body shape is just nicer to look at than the male body shape. Almost, maybe. Oh, I think you've uncovered something there. Vladimir Putin of Russia and ah, well and, and Andreas Papandreou of Greece are two examples of European statesmen fond of wearing polo necks. Yeah, I can imagine Putin in a polo neck. Their adoption by Noel Coward in the 1920s turned polo necks into a brief middle-class fashion trend, and feminists made them into a unisex item. In the 1950s, the black polo neck became a distinctive mark of existentialists. Absorbed into mainstream American fashion by the mid-20th century, the polo neck came to be viewed as anti-tie, a smart form of dress for those who rejected formal wear. Senator Ted Kennedy, singer Barry Manilow, scientist Carl Sagan, and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs were among those often seen in polo necks. There's a picture of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates next to each other. Steve Jobs is wearing a polo neck and Bill Gates is wearing a normal shirt and the normal shirt wins clearly clearly the normal shirt see, wins see now I recommend people look up this Wikipedia article to see this picture the problem here this is fashion tips with Chris <laughs> the problem here with this image is not the top it's nothing to do with his polo neck it's his ridiculous jeans those dad jeans <laughs> quite his ridiculous thing, dad they? jeans and dad trainers you'd have thought that Steve Jobs would have had enough money to have not needed to buy his denim from Asda wouldn't you yeah you'd think you would think that, but according to this picture, no. The turtleneck is not the problem. The it's problem part is the jeans. Of the problem. I'm not going to dismiss the turtleneck out of hand, but those jeans are awful. Bill Gates, respectable man, looks great. He looks like a big nerd. Yeah, I mean a bit turtly, but that's just his face, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. He looks like a natural turtle. But it's, it's nice that both of them have found employment on the Voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a joke for you two in the room. (laughs) Over time, it grew, and as a woman's wear, it became a fad among teenage girls, especially in a lightweight form that emphasised their figures. It was not long before Hollywood was also exploiting this image as part of the sweater girl look. The sweater girl look. Sweaty girl look. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, the sweater, right, Ah. over the the cone or bullet-shaped bras. They just look ridiculous. By the late 1950s, the tight turtleneck had been adopted as part of the preppy style among students students, a style emphasising neatness, tidiness and grooming. This would become an important aspect of the polo neck's image in the United States. The look would filter through to Britain and the rest of Europe in a watered down version. The polo neck as rebellion against the tie. Oh, so it was like a a statement. Polo necks have historically and controversially Mm. acted as substitutes of the traditional and dominant shirt and tie look. Some of the fiercest conflicts regarding the polo neck's use took place (laughs) in upscale restaurants and in weddings where polo necks have been used in violation of the shirt and tie. Oh my god. John Barant wrote in Esquire, the turtleneck was the boldest of all the affronts to the status quo. It was the picture of masculine poise and arrogance, redolent of athletes, sportsmen and even U-boat commanders. Okay. <laughs> the simplicity of its design made neckties seem fussy and superfluous by comparison. The designer Halston added, Turtlenecks are the most comfortable garments you can wear. They move with the body, as opposed to other clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're flattering too, because they accentuate the face and elongate the figure. They make life so easy. You can wear a turtleneck to work and then afterwards throw on a jacket and it becomes very dressy. You can go anywhere you like. You can go anywhere anyway. Really I've been doing it for years. I disagree. I don't think they look classier. Particularly if, you, if you're carrying any weight around, then the turtleneck is not mm. a flattering thing. It's not for us. Because if you've got the neck bit covered and strapped up, like you're wearing a neck brace and you're wearing jeans, you're a bit like that thing. You know when sausages are linked? That's exactly squished it, in, yeah. So squished in the middle. Then you've got this doughy middle that's... Yeah, no, it's and not... And vulnerable to predators. <laughs> 
But you can move very freely, so you can fight those off. Oh, yeah, change. This article has not changed my position on the polo neck. Nah, shite. Sorry, polo necks. Sorry, polo necks. And any polo neck wearers listening, if you are listening whilst wearing a polo neck, please let us know. Remove it. Don't remove it, because they could be in, on public transport Don't or even care. Remove it and burn it. Burn it wherever you are. Yeah. Also, never listen to this podcast again. Get off. I was just going to say right in, in defence of the polo neck. No. I, I, no. I was trying Don't to start a conversation. <laughs> you just dismiss no, it. No, they're gone. No, no, forget it. You're Don't dead to banned. us. You're, you're dead to us. Yeah. Yep. Go find a polo neck podcast, you freak. Seasteading. Seasteading. Seasteading is the concept of creating permanent dwellings at sea. Ah. Are you with me now? I'm a man of the sea. You're not a man of the sea. You have the loudest penny drop of any man I know, Chris. Everything's fine. You're making a face like you're on board and everything is known to you. It's obviously not, because then there'll be a moment of realisation. It all clicks into place. It all clicks into place Mm -hmm. with a huge exultation from you. Ah! (laughs) I do know! Even though you've been pretending quite merrily that you knew all along. That's how I get through life. (laughs) A noisy, noisy penny drop. Seasteading is the concept of creating permanent dwellings at sea called seasteads, outside the territory claimed by any government. Oh, so we're talking right offshore here. Most proposed seasteads have been modified cruising vessels. Other proposed structures have included a refitted oil platform, a decommissioned anti-aircraft platform, and custom-built floating islands. That's cool. No one has created a state on the high seas that has been recognised as a sovereign state. The Principality of Sealand is a disputed micronation formed on a discarded sea fort near Suffolk in England. Sealand would have been a great Wikipedia article to do. I'm familiar with that article. I think somebody might have suggested it to us I think maybe, yeah. But it's a good one. We should come back to that at some point. Although I don't think it would count as a seastead by this definition because it has to be outside of territory claimed by the government. So that's still in... British waters, so that wouldn't really count. They but should float it out so it's away, and then they could rename it New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's exactly, like, yeah. It's like New Zealand. Yeah, New I, Zealand. I got it, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I'm with you. All right. The closest things to a seastead that have been built so far are large ocean-going ships, sometimes called floating cities, and smaller floating islands. The term combines the words sea and homesteading. At least two people independently began using it. Ken Newmeyer in his book Sailing the Farm in 1981 and Wayne Gramlich in his article Seasteading, Homesteading on the High Seas in 1998. So it's quite a a modern concept. Outside the exclusive economic zone of 200 nautical miles, which countries can claim according to the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. The now, law. that would be an interesting article to do, wouldn't it? Mm. Law. Sea law. Um, <laughs> you've got 200 nautical miles, after which you're in the high seas and you're not subject to the laws of any sovereign state other than the flag under which the ship sails. Examples of organisations using this possibility are Women on Waves, enabling abortions for women in countries where abortions are subject to strict laws. Good. And offshore radio stations which were anchored in international waters. Good, as long as no pedoing goes on there. Well, it's not illegal, so is it a problem? That's a, a valid question. Obviously, yes, it is wrong. It is. But where do you draw the line about not pedoing necessarily, but, but just criminal activity? Would you draw the line 200 miles out to sea? That's very clearly defined by international sea law. But if you went 200 miles out to sea and you did something illegal like speeding in your car, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how would you feel about that morally? Morally, I think you'd be fine. Okay. 
like because they do it with gambling, don't they? So you'd, you'd get a gambling ship that would go out to mm-hmm. sea, and then you wouldn't have those, and that's that's fine. That's not hurting anybody. But if you were to go two hundred miles out to sea, kill somebody, and then go back in again, you'd think that law should catch up with you there. So if I go two hundred miles out to sea, oh yep. god, this is a reasonable point. Yeah, <laughs> and I've got an island with me. You've got okay, and I've taken my island out two hundred miles. See, you're 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 saying that while you're doing a gesture as if you're pulling the island <laughs> on your back, <laughs> which is not a reasonable. I've point. got a big boat. Okay, so I'm dragging out my chunk of land out two hundred miles out to sea. This isn't stupid. Just follow me. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm with <laughs> so follow me in this chunk of land two hundred miles out to so sea. Right, two hundred right. miles out to sea, and I stop somewhere over there. Two hundred miles out. Somewhere over there. Over that You're way. gesturing towards the north. The sea. So once I'm there, parked up. Anchored down. Anchored down. I can say, right, this is Chrisville now. I'm king of this town. Yes. This, yeah. No, not this town. This country. This country. Yes. Yep. So I, I just like write I'm probably not write a letter because it'll be hard to do posts from there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wi-Fi might not be fantastic. Bloody Royal Mail. Well, all right, I'll wait two weeks for Talk Talk to... Get the fibres in. And then I send an email to the UN and say, I've got a new country, let me in the club. That's all fine. They would have to actually let you in the club. That's the problem. Well, how would they not let me in the club? I've got my own island. Well, have they let Sealand in? No. Sealand's not in. Not, Why is not Sealand past not that 200-mile mark. So oh, yeah. that's got a very good counter-argument. In theory, I've, there I've shouldn't got... be anything stopping you from doing that, I don't think. Well, yeah. So because the fact you're in international waters at that point. I've, I'm in international waters. I've got my island. I've got, like, a document that says this is my country. I've yeah. given it a, a name. Document that you've written up on <laughs> Well, it's my country. They can be my, yeah. they're my, doc- they can be my documents. Paint. I've sent them to the UN. What, what's, why am I not allowed at the table? Well, if I was the That's UN... racist. If, if I was the <laughs> oh UN... Oh, God. <laughs> my counter-argument would probably be, what's in it for us? What are you, you bringing to the table? You can be friends with Chrisville. I'm, I'm declaring war on Chrisville. Why would you do that? Because I don't like your, your style. We've not like got your, any nuclear stuff. Don't like the cut We've only just worked out how to get here. <laughs> no, I'm declaring war on you. I'm going to sink your stupid little island. Jack, you're not really in a position where you're yeah. able to declare war. Uh, I'm king of my own country. If you go and set up your own country, you know, just up the road, you'd have to be 200 kilometres away from Chrisville. You could declare war on him at that point. ISIS is just a bunch of men and they're... Declaring war. On no, that's the whole point. That's why they're they're not a at sea. An, a recognised entity. So they're not declaring war. It's just acts of terror. In their eyes, it's war, and that's what I'm going to do to Chrisville. I'm going to blow some shit up. You could say that you're personally going to war with Belgium. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you're at war with Belgium. I want. We'll see how it goes. But I might declare war, and I don't care if I'm not a country. Well, I'll get on well with all the other countries. So you won't. Why won't I? They'd hate your stupid little island. They'd think you're a, a non-entity, which you would be. They wouldn't even pay you any attention. They don't give a shit about Palestine. They're not going to give a shit about you. If you were the UN, what would you say to him? You're king of the UN. There is no king of the UN. I all right, would... the mayor, the big, the big boss, the mayor, <laughs> the mayor of the UN. If I was boot trust, boot trust, Carly. He's he's starting grief with me. We've just started up. I've got my internet in, and he's starting wars. What would you say, mayor? I'd say that it's international waters. The rules don't really apply. You can do what you want. Ha! You're going down. A seastead would take advantage of the absence of laws and regulations outside of the sovereignty of nations and choose from among a variety of alternate legal systems. When seasteading becomes a viable alternative, switching from one government to another would be a matter of sailing to the other without even leaving your house, mm-hmm. said Patry Friedman at the annual at the first annual seasteading conference. The seasteading institutes, founded by Wayne Gramlich and Patry Friedman in 
2008 is an organization formed to facilitate the establishment of autonomous mobile communities on seaborne platforms operating in international waters. So this is somebody taking your idea seriously. Not that I'm saying you weren't. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, the, I've, there's a hurt look on his face You know face what? There. No one takes me seriously. I'm, I'm sick of it now. Because I made a good point there about making my own country. Mm. And then you went to war with me. The UN wasn't on my side. Mm. That, that shows how difficult it is to run a country effectively. This is the harsh reality of it. You've got to get used to this. Now, Chris. What? I want to learn. Don't be so... I'm, I'm, I'm defensive. I'm like North Korea at the minute. I've got no weapons, though. So I'm just, I'm just annoyed. Okay. <laughs> Your first law that you're making, Chrisville, what's the number one priority? Keep dicks like you off the island. Oh, it all boils down to immigration control, doesn't yeah. it? There you go. Yeah, that's what uh, this is all yeah. about for you. You just want you, no. you want to hand select the people that you share yeah. an island with. Just not that one. All right, Nigel Farage, don't point don't, fingers at me. Don't you call me Nigel Farage. <laughs> okay, what's your uh, national bird? Um, the flamingo. Mm-hmm. National flower? Dandelion. <laughs> That's nice, I like that. Your national motto? More achievable than a flamingo. A national motto? Mm. <sighs> just keep going. <laughs> just sleep on it. <laughs> just, just sleep on it. Okay. The project picked up mainstream exposure in 2008 after being brought to the attention of PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel, who contributed $500,000 to fund the creation of the Seasteading Institute and has since spoken out on behalf of its viability as seen in his essay, The Education of a Libertarian. Oh, it's bloody libertarians at the, at the heart of this, isn't it? It always uh. is. In spring 2013, the Institute launched the Floating City Project, which combines principles of both seasteading and startup cities by seeking to locate a floating city within the territorial waters of an existing nation. Historically, the Seasteading Institute has looked to international waters for the freedom to establish new nations and spur competitive governance from the outside. However, they are now seeking a host nation because they posit, A, it will be less expensive to engineer a seastead for the relatively calm, shallow waters compared with the open ocean outside of territory. Waters. B, it will be easier for residents to travel to and from the seastead as well as to acquire goods and services from existing supply chains. And C, a host nation will provide a place for a floating city within the existing international legal framework with the associated protections and responsibilities. So what's the point? So there's no point. So what you've basically said is the ideal of getting it out there where in this lawless no man's land is completely unachievable for all of these reasons in that mm. you need the existing infrastructure and international recognition and, you know, food and stuff. I'd get all those. You'd get all those. That's not really a solution you, you're positing there. Chris is clearly going to have a spa on his island. Londis. I think, Londis. I, think, Londis. I think we've established Londis is the supermarket mini yeah. chain of, of choice for this podcast. I'll partner with them. Their logo can be my flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it seems appropriate, yeah. We'll do a deal so we can get food in. So that's that, that's that problem. Done. Food is sorted. Food's <laughs> catered for by Londis. Yeah, Londis has got that covered. What's the other bit? It's the monies. Yeah. Oh, you and I'll just make friends with them. Just add them on Twitter or something. <laughs> Move out. Get the big boat. Off we go. Londis is on board. The UN's on board. <laughs> You've got the main two. <laughs> You've got the main two things to run a successful country. Londis and the UN. Yeah, and then we'll just set up. 
Then get some more people, send out some invites, mm-hmm. like young families, say, like, here's the letter. Yeah. It'll be Londis. You, to- like, you are the Tory party. You want young, hard-working families, <laughs> but you don't want any immigrants or dicks. No, just not you. Just not me, okay. So send out the letters to some people. Not, not select everyone, and then they... In the world. No, in where I am. So it's just like it's like it's like UK two where you are. That's very yeah, telling, it's isn't it? It's telling, very so telling. White English people. Well, no, we get all right. No, fine. I'll send a big email to the world. <laughs> <laughs> the world at hotmail.com. Yeah, so they can all. Everyone can come. Everyone can come to Chrisville. Londis is there. UN's all right with it. Come in. We'll build some houses. Fine. Let's talk about some design ideas because there's some suggestions here to. Just eke out some of the finer details, although I know you think, I think that I've this already is sorted. Got it. I, I agree, but let's see what other comments we can have that might help. So potential designs, a retrofitted cruise ship. The first seasteads are projected to be cruise ships adapted for semi-permanent habitation. Cruise ships are a proven technology and they address most of the challenges of living at sea mm. for extended periods of time. The cost of the first shipstead was estimated at $10 million. No, I want, I want trees and stuff. <laughs> you want trees and stuff. Okay. A spa platform. No, we've got Londis. We've already established a Londis. <laughs> <laughs> the Seasteading Institute has been working on communities floating above the sea in spa boys, similar to oil platforms. You're not a spa boy, you're a nah, Londis well, boy. You're a Londis boy. You're a Londis lad. They've already paid for the sponsorship. So. Mm. The project would start small using proven technology as much as possible and try to find viable, sustainable ways of running a seastead. Innovations that enable full-time living at sea will have to be developed. The cruise ship industry's development suggests this may be possible. A proposed design for a custom-built seastead is a floating dumbbell in which the living area is high above sea level, which minimises the influence of waves. Alternatively, you have a modular island. At the Seasteading Institute Forum, an idea arose to create an island from modules there are several different designs for modules with a general consensus that reinforced concrete is the most mm. proven, sustainable and cost-effective material for seastead structures, as indicated for use in oil platforms and concrete submarines. Concrete submarines? Hmm. The company AT Design Office recently made another design using the modular island method. In popular culture, Waterworld was a major motion picture that featured seastead communities at various points throughout the film. It did. Mm-hmm. It was also bollocks. Was it, though? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it recently, so I might watch it again. It's, not, it's terrible. Yeah. Chris. That's my name. Chrisville. Chrisville. In population, one dickhead. When do you expect to get this done? Is it around the same time that you'll get your storyboards for the Hippocampus uh, out? No, because Hippocampus is very much a real thing. This is just a hypothetical as what I would do if I had... I don't even have a land mass. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get one of them first before I even think about moving. But right. talked you through the stages. Londis, UN, big email to the world, currency, and then post. Profit. Profit. No, no profit. Oh, it's, it's a non-profit it's island. It's a non-profit, yeah. This it, all, is all good. Okay. It's for the good of the inhabitants. Mm, very good. So we look forward to the day. And you can't go. Okay. You're not welcome. Can I come on holiday? No. Thanks for listening to Wiki Shuffle, episode 66. We're going to be back on Friday once again with our guest Keith Clark for our second part. And, Chris, mm-hmm. I believe we had a great email from one of our listeners we did. this week. We did. I'll read it to you. Um, it was a nice email. The subject is, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and this is from Tom. 
He sent a lovely email from his sent from his iPhone. Hello, boys. Can you read it in the voice that you did the title in? The word. Hello, boys. No, I can't. Oh, that was sexy. It was too sexy. I don't it's think. Too it was sexy. too sexy. Too right. sexy to broadcast. Yeah. I was getting all ruffled. Yeah, I don't want you to get ruffled. Hot under the polo neck I was. Ooh. <laughs> New listener, but almost up to date. Just a few episodes to go. Thanks for all the fun. That's nice. It's nice. It's a standard email so far. I so like far. it. It's nice. This and we do like to get in touch. Tom, like I, I love it when podcasts read out praise as well. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's Thanks, good. Tom. That's it's really it. great it's to it's listen nice. to. It's nice that you mm. enjoy it. Thanks, Tom. He goes on. I was at my friend's house. He's a real stoner. And had just sparked <laughs> up a fat blaze trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> a fat blaze trumpet. Is that fat PH? PH, yeah. Of course. A fat blaze trumpet. <laughs> well done. I hope uh, you're having fun. When we decided to try a Ricky Shuffle and what should come up, and he sent a picture of, well, sort of, he's, he's, one, he's got one eye here, like at the corner of the picture, and he's showing his computer screen, and the page that came up was Pothead. Whoa. 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 Wait, that is, yeah, well, I, I, I didn't even realise that. A very good subject. A very good subject. Line when you've for just, his email. When you've Whoa. just sparked, sparked up, up a, a fat, fat blaze, fat blaze trumpet. trumpet. A fat blaze trumpet. And he was enjoying his fat blaze trumpet, and they wiki shuffled. Ended up on Pothead. Whoa! Oh, dude. Could you just say the words fat blaze trumpet again, please? Fat blaze trumpet. Oh, my God. He <laughs> <laughs> mm. goes on. Ooh. Thought you'd like it, even if it's... <laughs> He's so confident that we would like it. Thought you'd like it. Thought you'd like it. Even if it's a bit grown up slash illegal to put on the radio. Ooh. We Keep can up do what the good want. work. Yeah, well, That's the great thing about podcasting. It's the great We're not thing. bound by any stupid international laws. No. Well, no, because we broadcast this podcast from 200 miles out at sea mm-hmm. uh, in Chrisville, Chrisville. We, we can do whatever we want. And he signs like it fat, off. Like light up a fat blaze fat, trumpet. I've got yeah. two fat blaze trumpets on the go. Was that did. right? Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> Have I'm, you ever I'm smoked a fat blaze trumpet? I'm blazing two fat trumpets at the, t- at the moment right now. And Tell he signs it off. Tom, kiss. Oh, Ooh, nice song. Kiss. kiss you back. Yeah. yeah thanks, Tom. And I'll... next time you're around, we'll share a fat blaze trumpet with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. So, I won't because I don't like it. Let's, let's talk about drugs, Phil. Have you ever smoked a flat, fat blazed, a flat blazed trumpet? I've, oh God, my mum listens to this. <laughs> Have I ever smoked marijuana? I'm assuming yes. we're talking about a marijuana. marijuana. We're talking yeah, specifically we? fat we're, blazed trumpets. Specifically a fat blazed trumpet. Mm. I have smoked a marijuana cigarette. <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> No, a couple of times, but I really horribly dislike it. Yeah, same. it makes me so paranoid that mm. I just find it. Mm. I just can't stand it. And it makes me really ill as well. Have I told you about mine? I don't know if it's me on the podcast. Mm, don't think so. Um, Is this in Amsterdam? I, well, there's two occasions. Okay. Amsterdam was one. Mm. Because when you're in Amsterdam, when in Amsterdam... Shag a prostitute. Fat blaze trumpets. Eat oh. some tr- tulips. <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. See uh, a windmill. And I went there with my friend, and I had the worst experience of my life. I thought I, thought I was going to hell. Like, I thought I was in, like, the lowest level of hell. Oh, God. That's because the... the way they do it is there's, like, a big menu. And I thought, because I'm big Charlie Smoky Pots. 
the little dance you're doing with that. It's big a treat. Charlie Smokey Big pops. Charlie Smokey Pops. I went for like the biggest one and I was, I, I got was it. Was it a fat blaze trumpet? It was a proper fat blaze trumpet. And <laughs> me and my friends were in this coffee shop and the guy behind the bar was like, he, he was just looking at me because he knew that flav- fat blaze trumpet was way too much for me. Uh-huh. And my face went completely white and I said to my friend, we need to go. <laughs> and then we got lost in Amsterdam because it's all it's, it's really it's really easy to get lost and there were prostitutes everywhere and then I ended up in a hostel I thought I was going to die was it die. your hostel? I think it was my hostel um, I was lying down on a bed and then I went out for a wee but I, I thought that wee went on for like three weeks and I was worried that I was like, there's no liquid left in my body and then I went to bed for a bit woke up and had a McDonald's and felt a lot better that was the first the first one <laughs> Okay. And then I, I, well, no, that was actually the second. The first time I smoked the Fat Blaze trumpet, I was at like a house party or something, and I had the Fat Blaze trumpet. <laughs> and, but because of the paranoia thing, mm. every time someone left, I had to say to my mate, like, are they leaving because of me? Mm. And he, it got to the point where he went, no, they're just going home. <laughs> and I've never smoked any Fat Blaze trumpet since because it doesn't agree with me. No. I, not, I remember at Glastonbury one year being in my tent on my own, having partaken in some Fat Blaze trumpets. Mm. I, I think there were probably some hash cakes, actually. <laughs> fat Blaze cakes. Yeah, some Fat Blaze cakes. And just being inside this tent, terrified that everyone that I was there with was talking about me and yeah. wanting to get me. Because I could it's hear not them fun. They probably outside. were. Yeah, but yeah. you don't want to focus on it too much. No, everyone, I, that I'm part quite, probably was leaving yeah, no, you. That's what normally happens. Yeah, yeah. But, but the but fat blaze trumpet makes you think that. about it. Yeah, yeah. you just not know yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. If you're turning off that bit of inhibition in your mind, but I don't want that turned off. Tom obviously enjoyed his fat blaze trumpet. Good and on you, Tom. Tom. More power to his elbow. Yeah, good yeah. on you. You enjoy that, Tom. Thanks for writing in. Thank you. And if anybody else would like to write in, they can email us, podcast at wikishuffle.co.uk. They can. Or they can send us a message on Twitter, at wikishufflepod. Indeed. Or they can leave a comment at the website, wikishuffle.co.uk. Or send us a postcard, which is what we really want. You know, we, we, we'd like your email. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Would have been better if it was a postcard, though, wouldn't it? What, you couldn't afford the 25p for a stamp? He spent all his money on his fat blaze trumpet. Fair I think enough. the fact that he's called it a fat blaze trumpet, I, I think he's going to be American, surely. Maybe, maybe he'd bought a postcard but ended up needing roach. Possibly. <laughs> That's probably what happened, isn't it? I got this postcard ready to send to WikiShuffle. There's a fat blades trumpet roach, <laughs> roach emergency. Postcards are ideal for that, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But next time, if you could sellotape a fat blaze trumpet to a postcard and send it in, we'll get Chris to smoke it and then we'll do a podcast. That'll be fun. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back again on Friday with Keith. Until then, tally ho. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 